6.55 p.m. over here on a Wednesday evening in April. Wednesday in April, April 6th, and we have a great returning guest this evening, Judge Joe Brown. What are we going to talk about? Well, everything is on the table. I'm going to see how much I can get in because we've got about 45 minutes with uh, Judge Joe Brown. And um, I just, you know... So much has happened since the last time he was on. I believe it was last fall, either September or October or November, somewhere within the, that 90-day period. So much has happened since then. Uh, we would be able to speak for days, but we don't have days. We have a mere 45 minutes, so let's see what we can do. Plenty, uh, plenty of going on as well. And then afterwards, in the second half of the show, after a brief intermission, we'll take some calls and all that stuff. And I want to remind you all, that we have another big interview tomorrow with Kathy O'Brien. And as a part, as a focal point of tonight's After Hours programming on QuiteFrankly.tv, we have some pretty definitive um, uh, speeches and other types of uh, media about Kathy, her story, and um, appearances that she has made, speeches that she has made. So uh, you'll be able to get, and you should, if you do not know uh, her story and, and uh, where it started and how deep it all goes and the names that have been named and all that, then you should definitely watch that tonight because this is decades worth of information and, um, and tomorrow we're not going to be focusing primarily on origin stories. Um, but who knows what pops up along the way, but still you should have some sort of a foundation on this and it is... Um, it's a key figure in in these um, in these circles. If you're if you're going to start studying those who have come forward and and brought light to dark places, so please go ahead and hang around on QuiteFrankly.tv tonight after the show concludes. In fact, you might as well just go there right now and enjoy this evening's programming because we're hopping off of YouTube right after the intro. So go ahead and make your arrangements and wherever you want to watch the seven o'clock show. Please join us after the 9 o'clock conclusion on QuiteFrankly.tv because it's going to lay the groundwork for tomorrow's broadcast with Kathy O'Brien. And then, of course, we have a, uh, a short show on Friday. Probably talk about doppelgangers that night unless some kind of big news happens and I have band practice. And uh, next week is going to be a good one, too. We'll talk about that on Friday, though. All right? All right, ladies and gentlemen, so let's move on a little bit now and get into some other news. Into the grab bag we go. Into the grab bag. The first one up, just a couple of random stories to get all of our knives sharpened. And it is a very important, very important story coming out of PepsiCo, which is right there in Purchase, New York, a couple of miles away. They have a, uh, they have a, a wonderful uh, sculpture garden. 
many, many acres of sculptures and art. It's becoming more modern art than anything these days, so it's, it's just a couple of blobs of concrete, uh, a misplaced ball, a triangle bisecting something else. You know, art. Here is a headline from PepsiCo everybody should know about. That is a blank black screen. That's not what I'm looking at. Here it is. PepsiCo unveils Cracker Jill. Crack, very racist. Cracker Jill to celebrate women in sports. They've had enough of Cracker Jacks, ladies and gentlemen. They had to make Cracker Jill. On Tuesday... PepsiCo's Frito-Lay announced Cracker Jill's will be a permanent member of its snack roster as a way to celebrate women who break down barriers in sports. I don't know how they do that. I don't know how they do that. The only women uh, breaking barriers these days are men. (laughs) Uh, Women's sports have been well established for a very long time. And the only ones who are breaking barriers are being injected into male spaces by CEOs who want to go woke with their franchise. That's it. Women's sports have been widely established. They are as popular as they're going to get. And, 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 and to continue to, to press this is, is really doing women, girls, anybody who's working their asses off to excel in what they, uh, what they, uh, they, they go and compete in is really damaging the whole damn thing. But they, they'll keep pushing. Now we got Cracker Jills. Now we got Cracker... There's nothing like going to a baseball game and eating Cracker Jills. These dumbasses. These dumbasses. So... And when they don't sell, somebody will feed them to the ducks and the ducks will die. And then they'll they'll blame a, a new ecological... Uh, it's crisis on misogyny or something like who the fuck knows so there you have it i guess they're adding more nuts to cracker jacks that's good okay um here's the next one up this is from the daily caller stacy abrams grimace grimace is hanging out and daily caller is asking how did stacy abrams multiply her net worth in just a few years, especially since she's worthless, completely untalented, and I would have to hazard a guess without reading this article to you guys and wasting your time, that she tripled or multiplied her net worth because she is an unscrupulous political prostitute. I mean, anything goes with these types, and hell, I mean, she, she was just on Star Trek. So, lead the way, I will do what you want. So, that's that would... That's that. Here's a, something I thought was hilarious. This is pretty funny. The uh, mainstream media talks about QAnon more than people who read uh, Q drops on 8chan uh, ever did. And here is one from MSN. Opinions, the QAnon catchphrases that took over the Jackson hearings. I had to click this link because I wanted to know what the catch, catchphrases are. Uh, let's see. Uh, hold on. Who's recently just uh, blah blah blah? Talk. Okay, so there's your the first paragraph is your rundown of what uh, Q is, and um, uh, Donald Trump is secretly dismantling a pedophile ring. No, no, he's not. The pedophiles are still doing exactly what they want to do. Uh, they didn't have to. QAnon, a sprawling conspiracy theory. Sprawling conspiracy theory. No, it's just a whole bunch of 
whole bunch of stories and 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 uh, information and players and uh, completely confirmed events that have been known for many decades that they're now that now they're trying to dismantle and disprove and debunk in one fell swoop in one fell swoop that's what these losers are doing now uh, Josh Hawley had to do all had to do to set the stage at the hearing was alleged the tweets beforehand what about uh, tweets about what uh, I think it's about uh, Jackson judge Jackson being a obviously very lenient for pedophiles many have gone on to be repeat offenders because they should have been locked in jail for decades and uh, they get out. Allegations were not about the facts. The goal was to portray Jackson and, by extension, Democrats as players in the QAnon narrative that public institutions are overrun with child predators. It's not a QAnon narrative. It is fact. Public institutions, especially education, are sex-grooming cults. 100%. You're grooming children with this this over-the-top, ridiculous... Uh, 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 um, uh, sex programming 100% there's nothing natural about it there's nothing repressive about going the opposite way it has nothing to do with QAnon or Q or however you have come to known it, know it nothing at all so what are the catchphrases give me the catchphrases um, I don't see any quotes here soft on pedos that's uh, what Democrats really doing their best to secure a pedophile vote for future elections. Where is it? The language war. Groomers, predators, double. De- There's nothing in here. Disney goes. Gro- okay, so groomer. And they're trying to bring in um, these vague references to Pizzagate, which, of course, is another thing that was reduced to the most absurd conclusion that you could have you could have come to back then. So there's really nothing there. Um, there's really nothing in there. Catchphrases. This is just what reporting is now by Donald Moynihan. Thank you, Donald. You are a useless piece of shit at MSN. Somebody, if you see Donald in the street, just let him know, hey, hey, you're that useless piece of shit from MSN, right? Yes, that's me. (laughs) You want my autograph? No. Here's another one I wanted to give you. Speaking of speaking of uh, groomers and assailants of children, Hunter Biden, the whistleblower who handed Hunter's abandoned laptop to congressman, and Daily Mail reveals that he has 450 gigabytes of deleted material, including 80,000 images. I wonder what's in those and videos and has fled to Switzerland fearing retaliation from the White House. Whistleblower Jack Maxey gave DailyMail.com a copy of the hard drive from Hunter Biden's abandoned laptop in the spring of 2021. DailyMail.com has published dozens of stories exposing Hunter's drug use, sex obsession, and questionable business dealings. Questionable is a, a great word. For the past two weeks, Maxey has been hiding in Zurich, Switzerland working with IT experts to dig out more data from the laptop from hell. He says he intends to post them all online in a database in the coming weeks. Maxi says that he's found 450 gigabytes of erased material, including 80,000 80, images and videos uh, and more than 120,000 archived emails. 
The former podcast host says he fears retaliation from the Biden administration. He says that after contacting the Daily Mail about the laptop last year, a black, suburb, black suburban SUVs appeared outside of his house. Well, like always, when somebody says that they're going to put something out there or there's a dead man switch that's been set up, John McAfee, Maxi, this one or that one, I guess we'll just have to see. It's not like, um, I mean, you, to, to get worse than what we already know and what we've already read and what we've been able to infer uh, would only just... Uh, but then again, it really looks like they're trying to get um, the Bidens out of the White House in earnest right now. Really does. I'm going to play that clip that two clips that have been getting around about a very awkward time in the White House when Barack Obama showed up and Joe Biden is just in in, in these moments captured on tape. I, I hate to say that I, I felt pity. Like, I, like pity. Because, you know, I, I grew up knowing that he was like this uh, this fork-tongued venom-spitting asshole. And he always portrayed himself that way. He was just a he was just a, uh, a barroom brawler when it came to debating. He was just a dirty asshole. But uh, he's not that anymore. And this this old doddering man who's just alone and, and, and confused looking and, and grasping at anyone who wants to take the arm of a uh, so-called president uh, just to, I don't know, just to fit in. It, it's, it's, so, it's so unsettling unsettling and not because I have any personal um, feelings of compassion or it's just pity is that the same thing as compassion it's certainly not affection very weird stuff man very weird stuff that we're seeing right now I'm almost, I'm curious I'm like please put put the the large hadron uh, collider on at CERN please and let's see what changes because there's so much right now that's so weird. I, 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 let's just shake up the magic eight ball and see what changes in the next go around. That's all I'm thinking about. Here's a creepy story, though, and creepy is an understatement. Headline from RT Ukraine will be a big Israel, says Zelensky. President uh, Volodymyr, I thought his name was Vladimir. President Zelensky has warned that Ukraine will look to Israel for inspiration concerning its future security arrangements, arguing that an absolutely liberal Kiev is now impossible after Moscow's attack in late February. Speaking to journalists on Tuesday, the president said uh, said security would be the number one issue for Ukrainians for the next decade, even going so far as to forecast a lasting armed military presence in the streets. Ukraine will be definite, will definitely not be what uh, we wanted it to be from the beginning. It is impossible, absolutely liberal. Europe, it will not be like that. We will become a big Israel with its own face. We will not be surprised if we have representatives of the armed forces or the National Guard in cinemas, supermarkets, and people with weapons. So I guess they're they're saying that Russia are the new Palestinians. That we need a uh, we need big walls and iron domes and and um, and and submachine guns uh, underneath every lamppost. Uh, reached by Haritz. Following Zelensky's comments, Ukrainian ambassador to Israel, 
uh, Yevgen Kornichuk said that, quote, no matter what happens next, things in Ukraine will be similar to the security situation in Israel. Also adding that you will see more armed people in the streets, even when things become more peaceful than they are right now. Israelis have lived, uh, lived surrounded by enemies for all their history, and Ukraine will be doing the same, he said. Oh boy, I can't say anything right now. And we've already said enough during this little opening intro on YouTube to, uh, to lose our, our channel forever. Maybe, maybe people really aren't watching. But definitely not touching this one. Not here, not now. Zelensky was openly critical of Tel Aviv in comments to uh, the Knesset in March, accusing the government of apathy and uh, mediation without taking a side while demanding military support for Ukraine. He later scaled back those comments, however, acknowledging that Israel has its interests and strategy to protect its citizens. The Prime Minister of Israel, Mr. Bennett, is trying to find a way to, of holding talks and we are grateful for this, he said, Zelensky said. We are grateful for his efforts so that sooner or later we will begin to have talks with Russia, possibly in Jerusalem. Well. Creepy. So there you go. That sounds like things are going to get a lot better for you, the Ukrainians once things settle down. It's going to get a lot better. Um... But uh, we'll get to that and more on the other side of the intro. So don't go anywhere. Don't go anywhere. We're about to get started. And if you're on YouTube, love you all. But please follow us just over to quitefrankly.tv or you can go to Theta. You can go to Twitch, Rumble, uh, Rockfin, DLive. Get on over there. All the links can be found in the episode description below or on quitefrankly.tv. It's all there on the front page. All of your... uh, your live viewing options splayed out before you. We will be back before you know it with special guest, Judge Joe Brown. Sorry, frankly, the rest of the show is available at quitefrankly.tv. Quitefrankly.tv is the place to catch the latest episode, the latest blog entries, links to become a sponsor. If you want to buy a t-shirt or something, visit the merch store. Quite frankly, streams live weekdays at 7 p.m. Eastern, wherever you get your podcast. Now, head to quitefrankly.tv, and we'll see you there. David, David, I mean, I know you're a sophisticated guy. The world is a mess. The world is as angry as it gets. Well, you think this is going to cause a little more anger? The world is an angry place. stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. That's why we're going back. Does anybody else want to stay? Let's ride!
how you drop it. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Gents and ladies, ladies and gents. Here we are on this Wednesday evening. And as we spend a little time before our guest shows up, we do a little of this, a little bit of that. Here is a little bit more creepiness. I'm going to show you uh, exactly how it was presented by Tucker Carlson on his show last night. Because there's something else, and if this is all over the place right now, welcome to the show once again. This is Quite Frankly. Please share this forever and always. You Are My Syndicators is the greatest way to, su- to um, support and sponsor the show through your online and offline activity. Share it with friends and family, whether you listen live or on demand. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Here is um, Tucker Carlson. Saying this, Democrats have decided to replace Biden. And this is all based on these observations of these very awkward interactions at the White House the other night with Barack Obama in attendance, who everybody was was clinging to, like, um, I don't know, they're, they're just drawn to him. Obviously, this, this pool, this school of fish, they went, uh, they were just drawn right in. But leaving the big guy... The big guy out in the cold. Very odd. Take a look at this, ladies and gentlemen. Here you go. Joe Biden is now the most unpopular person in virtually any room he enters. If you doubt it, watch this. This was the scene at the White House today. Take a careful look at this. You've never seen anything like it. So he's looking around. Looking over his shoulder. He sees Barack is in the corner getting mobbed by like seven people. And he's just looking for now. Now, that clip right there is very short one, and it's been passed around all over the place. And it's pretty much the clip that is mostly being um, argued about on Twitter, at least when I saw it this morning. Where everybody's like, you need more context. Look at what happens next. And what happens next is Joe uh, Biden walks up to this woman, looks around for somebody to talk to, walks up to this woman who makes eyes with him. He, he, he takes her by the arm, and they walk around a little bit. But this, it's just only one clip of this kind of on the outside looking in lost. It's not the only, he's always looking lost, you know? Um, but, you know, you can't draw more attention to him by having, you know, aides walk around with him and all that shit. You can't. But uh, then there's another clip that's even more heartbreaking. <laughs> like I said, pity. It's, it's not affection. But listen to this. That's the president of the United States in his own house shunned. Nobody would talk to him. So Biden wandered off looking vacant as a crowd formed around a former president, Barack Obama, who was obviously deeply grateful for the attention. And then it got worse. It got much more poignant than that. Watch Biden try to horn in on the conversation swirling around Obama. Everyone involved in that conversation, including Kamala Harris, who supposedly works for Biden, ignored Biden completely. Biden desperately tried to get Obama's attention. He puts his hand on Obama's shoulder. He even calls him Barack like they're friends, but Obama blows him off. It's he acts weird. like Biden's not even there. Ask yourself if you have ever in your life seen anything sadder than this. It. Uh, 
it's, it's this is just sad. It's really, really hard. It's now the hands on the. He will not. Who the hell has a hand clasped on their shoulder and not even look over to see if it's your secret service or anybody, your wife, anybody? Barack Obama knows that Joe is behind him. And it is the president, the current president of the United States has his hand on his shoulder and he's talking to some nobody. And he keeps going until the hand disappears. Oh, um, oh, make it stop. It's awful. I, I know. No, it is. It's this truly bad. It's truly, truly bad. I, 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 I just wish that this is the kind of shit that you would see on the like the E channel, A and E, something like that back in the day when when reality TV shows were at its like the, its height. Where yeah, it was a big cotton candy distraction, but it pulled us all in. Like we're watching Flavor of Love again or something like that. And the next day you're like, oh shit, did you see how so-and-so got dissed? I mean, this, I, I wish it was, I, oh my god, oh my god, I wish this was Flavor of Love, but it's not. I wish it, what are you going to do? Um, I don't know, what are we going to do? We can weep. We can We, we can laugh. We can do both of those things. We do we do a lot of laughing together. I'm going to keep the laughing hap, uh, up because the weeping is just not something I want to do anymore. Um, this is this is good news though. Here's something I saw on World Net Daily that popped up just a little while before I went live. I think a lot of you would find this nice, especially since we spoke about this at great length last night with Noor Bin Laden, which everybody really really loved that. That uh, that episode headline here, written by Art Moore, judge fully acquits a January 6th defendant, a federal judge in Washington, D.C., acquitted a federal defense contractor on Wednesday on all four charges related to entering the U.S. Capitol building during the January 6th riot Uh, in well in the first uh, in. in what was the first case in which a January 6th defendant has been fully acquitted at trial, Matthew Martin of Santa Fe, New Mexico, chose a trial before a judge rather than a D.C. jury. U.S. District Court Judge Trevor N. McFadden, a 2017 Trump appointee, determined that it was not unreasonable for Martin to assume that Capitol Police officers were allowing protesters to enter the Capitol. The government, the judge said, did not show evidence of Martin crossing the police lines that had been broken down by a mob. Yeah, well, we we see we've seen the the um, we've seen the the video footage of barricades being shaken and these standoffs. But we know that all major entry points in the, of that building, the doors, which we know now, are magnetically sealed have to be open from the inside. We've seen some people, uh, on what little security footage has been given to us, signal to somebody to unlock the doors, and then the the, the doors subsequently unlock and open. From there, you get a little bit of of back and forth before it is completely opened up to the public as if it were some kind of a tourist attraction, and it was just, uh, you know, a, a housewarming party at that time. I don't know how anybody. This is a great, great thing. I hope a lot of people uh, hone into this. 
I know everybody's situation is going to be slightly different based on what they can prove with whatever kind of whatever kind of um, appearances they make on security footage or any of their own uh, media that they've taken that can place them at a certain time and a certain place. But for the most part, this building was opened up as if it were a housewarming party. The barricades were removed, people were waved in, people were very cordially told to behave, go inside, blah, blah, blah. Um, Many of them were actually walked in by police and security. So this is interesting. Determined it was not unreasonable for Martin to assume the Capitol Police officers were allowing protesters to enter. Martin was arrested in April 2021 and charged with entering and remaining in a restricted building, disorderly and disruptive conduct in a uh, restricted building, violent entry and disorderly conduct to a Capitol building, and parading, demonstrating, or picketing in a Capitol building. You see, if you you put all those charges together and you add them up, it equals one insurrection. Okay? Disorderly conduct, being in a restricted building, parading, demonstrating, all that stuff. That equals one insurrection. Of course, um, you know, Antifa and Black Lives Matter, the previous May, can, uh, can put dozens of Secret Service agents in the hospital and burn structures around the White House and on the White House campus. You can set fire to structures, Secret Service structures and a church, and that doesn't equal... That doesn't equal um, insurrection at all. No, no, no. The president was actually the villain that day for dispersing the crowds with tear gas. The judge said the charge of entering and remaining in a restricted building was a close call, but he found there was a reasonable doubt that Martin knew he was entering a reasonable, uh, a restricted building. In February, as WorldNet Daily reported, McFadden scolded prosecutors in a separate January 6th case for misleading a grand jury regarding the whereabouts of then-Vice President-elect Kamala Harris during the riot, arguing it undermined any confidence the court can have in the government's representations. The whereabouts of Harris and then-Vice President Mike Pence have been the basis for thousands of criminal charges related to January 6th. Prosecutors also have been unable to prove where Pence was after he was evacuated from the Senate chamber around 2.20 p.m. that day, contrary to the Justice Department's indictments. Harris was at the Democratic uh, National Committee headquarters. And, um, And what else? Where the hell else? National headquarters in Washington when the riot began. Mysteriously, it was Harris's security detail that found one of the two pipe bombs that were widely reported on January 6th. We spoke about that with Julie Kelly when she was on weeks ago. We should really have her back again maybe uh, sometime later in the spring. Wonderful stuff. More than 775 arrests have been made in connection with the January 6th riot. Investigative reporter Julie Kelly who has written extensively on January 6th defendants for American greatness, is among many who have pointed out that despite the the repeated claims that the event was an armed insurrection of white supremacists, not one person has been charged with carrying or using a firearm inside the Capitol building. The only person who used a firearm inside the Capitol building, she noted, was the Capitol police officer who shot and killed an unarmed female veteran, Ashley Babbitt. FBI said in August... 
It had not found evidence that January 6th was the result of an organized plot to overturn the election. According to four current and former law enforcement officials, Revolver News has reported evidence that FBI informants and Antifa operatives turned a peaceful rally into a riot, spotlighting the role of Arizona man uh, Ray Epps, who was seen on video directing the people who breached the the police lines while President Trump was still uh, delivering a speech one mile away. In a follow-up report, Revolver News presented evidence backed by videos and images that there were others who worked in tandem with Epps to orchestrate the break-in. Fox News host Tucker Carlson has produced a three-part documentary, Patriot Purge, that concludes the evidence points to incitement by federal agents. Well, there's that. There's that. And as far as everything else that is being reported on in the the media right now, especially when it comes to Russia, the big news of the day is that Vladimir Putin's daughters have been sanctioned. So if, um, you know, if everything else that, that was done beforehand didn't break his back, this certainly will. I don't know. I don't know where to go. I've been reading into that that the, uh, the, the Buka massacre that has been very widely reported on by Western news now too. And there's a lot of things that are popping up there that I am now starting to wonder what the hell is real and what isn't. Maybe in the second half, if I have some time, we'll be able to get into that as well. But, um, but man, oh man, I don't know. I don't know. There's a lot of big questions to ask these days. Number one is what is a Nazi? I think a lot of us have been asking that question at least one way or another over the last five or six years because apparently there's Nazis and KKK all around us that we didn't know about. They are our neighbors. They are us. Like, imagine that. You get to the end of the uh, the, the slasher film and you realize that you, the audience member, you're the Nazi. You were the murderer the whole time. You never knew it. What is a Nazi? Because it keeps evolving, especially once we start... Uh, zooming out and looking into the greater happenings around the world, especially in Ukraine, and and find that there are Nazis at work there, and they are Nazis that all of the Nazi hunters in the United States actually put in power. Very odd. But perhaps I can ask all that and more of our guest this evening, Judge Joe Brown, who should be on with us momentarily. It's 729. And... um, and then we'll go into your, your super chats and we'll take some calls and, and a few other points of order, which is what this show is, is all about here tonight. There's another thing I want to remind you all of, um, please, is remember at the end of tonight's show, we are going to have a really wonderful um, after hours block of programming to support not only tonight's show, but tomorrow night's show and uh, and then Later on in the week, we have some great things going on. Also, since we're doing a, a few other odd items to make sure that you're all in the loop of things that are coming on the show and what you can contribute to, the Elon Musk thread on Reddit is, is still going strong. I love all, everybody debating and putting their analysis in. That was wonderful, finding out his character profile there, where he fits on the, uh, on the character chart. We also have a few threads that are going to be a part of a... Uh, a few shows that are coming up now. Coma Dreams, that's coming up soon. Anybody who's ever spent any time in a coma, or whether it be medically induced or some kind of a trauma that puts you out, 
anything you remember from there, any kind of revelations inside of that, that uh, unconscious state, we want to know about that. I have customs, traditions, and superstitions that has been blown up as well. I can't wait to get around to that. I was the thing for the uh, the thread that I started with customs, traditions, and superstitions actually was born from me finally sitting down and watching the last James Bond film, No Time to Die, which there's a lot of interesting things in there, uh, a lot of relevant things in there for sure, especially when it comes down to DNA based pathogens and targeted pathogens and things along that line but um he spent some time in italy in the beginning of that film and there is this one festival in this particular uh town or village in italy where everybody is writing down their secrets or their wishes or something like that and they light it on fire and they throw it out the window and you have all just you just all these little sparks of i don't know small flames of people's secrets and wishes just being uh, set ablaze. And I thought that that was just so cool. I love little traditions like that. And I wanted to know what people at home have as traditions and as, uh, as nice little superstitions, anything. Special customs, traditions, whatever is important, important to you, your family, your community, a region, your country. I want to know all about it. Whether it could be sports, superstitions, anything. Religious, spiritual, folklore. It is all accepted, and um, I don't want to get you involved in that one. We have a couple of great super chats that have already come in on the foxhole end of things. Thank you, uh, thank you, Trump Red Pill. Oh, four one two anon sent me. Funny story about four one two anon. Adel's a great friend of mine, and I had to use, I have to use Zoom tonight for our talk with Judge Joe Brown, and I had to get on the phone with Adel. I said, "Listen, man." You are the Zoom master, and I need some help with this tonight. So he helped me remember how all this stuff works, and hopefully it works out soon. Hopefully it works out soon. So uh, moving on from there, another one from Delona. Thank you, Delona55. And we can take more as uh, we have a – looks like we have a couple more minutes here. On quite frankly, as we wait for the arrival of uh, Judge Joe Brown. So what do we have? Jay Harris says, hey, Frank, loving and sharing your program here in Oregon. Speaking of Oregon, I'm going to have to go out and buy or some, download some kind of version of the Oregon Trail again because I've, I, I, I've been ta- telling you, I've been watching 1883 on that terrible Paramount Plus channel. And, um, and it's all about, you know, the, I, I guess the end result is they're wanting to get to Oregon. Holy hell, only three episodes left, and it's been really, really awesome. I told you about it. I'll tell you, give you a full review at the end of the whole thing. I'm also almost done with the first 100 pages of Windswept House. I cannot wait to get down into the nitty-gritty with that as well. So um, in the meantime, let's just uh, take another, uh, let's take a couple of calls. While we wait for Judge Joe Brown, you let me know what is going on on your end of the uh your neck of the woods and what you think about the news today and where it's all heading and hopefully we can take some more calls in the second half 914-595-6953 go ahead call in let me know what you're thinking and we will bridge the gap from now until then so that's what we'll be doing now 914-595-6953 how did you like last night's show with Noor bin laden 
How did you like that? Do you want to talk about any of your uh, takeaways from today's news stories? Have you already gone out, rushed out, and got yourself a pack of those Cracker Jills? Have you just have you sufficiently destroyed the patriarchy because of it? These are the things I want to know about right now. 914-595-6953. You will be doing me a uh, throw me a life raft. <laughs> throw me a life raft. Call in. I don't care what the hell you tell. Are you chewing gum right now? I hate the sound of people chewing gum especially when you're on the air and doing something with microphones. But I will listen to you chew gum right now. That is how badly I need to speak to somebody. 914-595-6953. Johnsburg Paul. What's going on, Paul? Hey, how you doing? I'm doing well. Go ahead. What's on your mind? Hey, listen. Um, with what's going on in the Ukraine, that's on my mind. Okay. Well, real quick, because uh, Judge Joe Brown could be on at any moment, and I'll have to hang up on you, and I'll feel bad about it. So go right ahead. I, I hear you. It's... Um, what I what I see happening in there is a lot of uh, movement toward uh, what's called the end times. Oh, you think? We're, oh, so you're you're thinking Armageddon, like very very big stuff. I'm thinking the Armageddon thing. Okay, so uh, how do you see how do you see this leading up to that point? Well, basically because um, of the, the the characters involved. I mean, uh, the uh, geographic location of things. And the fact that um, the uh, Western countries are going to dissolve, uh, Putin has got them by the balls. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, we, we've just started to see how this thing unravels. And um, the uh, the Russians got all the cards. Well, you know, uh, Paul, you know, Paul, that, that, and I thank you for the call. Let me get to somebody else because I'm going to. This is definitely something I want to. I want to toss uh, to the judge tonight because he has, uh, among other things, he's laid some commentary down on what's going on, at least with the reporting, the one-sided and very eerie um, uh, pro-war reporting coming out of the West. So this is something I'd like to to formulate into a much larger question about the new world order tonight too. So I, I hope we get around to that. Let's take another call. Uh, two, two, four, you're on the air. Thank you for joining me. Hey brother, what's going on? Oh, nothing much. Go right ahead. This is Rev, by the way. Um, I Good was have wondering, you. maybe you could ask judge Brown about judge Jackson and some of the outrageous things that she said during her testimony. It's the first thing I'm gonna. I, first thing that I'm going to bring up, actually, uh, Red. Okay, Rev, like revolution. Rev, yes. Go ahead. That, that's great. Okay, yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm very interested in hearing it, and I loved uh, your interview with Nora last night too. So. Well, thank you, Rev. It's uh, it, it's and thank you for the, the the review from last night, and thank you for the suggestion for right now. But I I was definitely going to keep that in the the chamber as one of the first things I asked. Uh, Judge Joe Brown, especially since we're talking about uh, the, the future, I mean, his profession to, to much larger levels of public consciousness when you talk about Supreme Court. But thank you for that, my friend. Let's, uh, let's keep going. I like these nice, short, snappy exchanges, and we can fill in the time here. 7.38, hopefully we are, we're joined uh, any moment. All right, 612, you're on the air. Go right ahead. Quite frankly, Hello. I believe I got on the phone with you. Oh, I'm happy you're oh, here. That's awesome. Who's this? Uh, this is 
Carly from Minnesota. Carly from Minnesota. Well, the floor is yours, Carly. Go right ahead. Yes. Oh, thank you. Yes, I was watching Little House on the Prairie and feeling really wholesome. Oh. And thought I'd give you a call because I heard your cry for help. <laughs> and being so fortified in my inner being by the wholesomeness of Little House on the Prairie, I thought I'd come and offer you some words of wisdom for you and your viewers that I love because I love you, quite frankly. You're so lovely. Thank you. As we talk about how everything in the world is so messed up right now, and it seems like the darkness is closing in on us, let's always try to keep in mind that we bear the image and likeness of God. And the more honest we are with ourselves, the more self-reflective we are, the more we strive to be better people, the more light we can bring into the world. And not the fake light, like Satan calls himself, you know, the light, but the real light, you know? So I just think we should just go on with our lives and do the best we can, like you often say. You say, let's try to love the people closest to us. And rah, rah for that. Cheers. Yes. I love you. I love your viewers. I love your listeners. Thank you so much for always having such thoughtful, content well thank you no thank you and thank you for thank you for bringing some wholesome thoughts to to this whole thing over here and 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 stepping in i i need hey listen if there's anybody and i've been told frank you got to get on your uh your uh, little house in the prairie game especially for aurora uh so I, i'm i'm happy that that was the impetus yeah. for calling in tonight and leaving us with such a light-hearted uh Lighthearted thing. Okay, well, there you go. Thank you so much for that. I just got a message from uh, Judge Joe Brown, and uh, he will be ready in 10 minutes. It's 740, and uh, I'm just, that's fine. Okay, he's ready in 10 minutes. Then we're going to take calls for 10 minutes. Let's go. Give it to me. Uh, three, hey, Frank. 318. What's going on, 318? Hi, Frank. This is Lacey from Illinois. Lacey, what's going on? Hey, I just wanted to call and let you know, um, I know somebody who was personally in the White House on Monday. Okay. Um, we're a local, like a truck driver kind of lady. We're just, we're briefly, we're not really friends, but we know each other through mutual acquaintances. Anyway, she was there and videotaped the whole thing. She met the fake Biden guy. Now, they well, didn't like announce wait, 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 him wait, wait, they all wait, walked wait. on. What do you mean fake Biden guy? Like the Joe Biden, she thinks that he's a, stand, a clone stand-in? Well, she doesn't have opinions about it. I have opinions. So you so your friend, you have just, a friend that shook hands with the uh the acting president she, a couple of days ago? She she hugged him and prayed for him. Yeah, she physically touched him. So this is what I'm saying is when they ushered themselves onto the lawn in front of their audience, they didn't announce them, you know, and Biden wasn't being protected by anybody, and she videotaped walking into the White House, like the whole thing from the sidewalk into the White House, and it's all on Facebook. How did she get that and, kind of? How um, did she get that kind of access for just being a truck driver? Some kind of I don't know, some kind of group from our local area. I don't want to give too much information because I don't, you know what I mean. I don't know like the legalities of the whole thing, but from what I saw, it is a whole fake staged thing. She was. She videotaped the whole thing. She was able to walk. There was no security check. She wasn't. Che she wasn't checked for a bioweapon, a gun, and nothing. Nobody questioned them. They just walked right into that building, right through it, onto that back lawn. 
Well, the, the, when, you said that she went up, hugged him, prayed for him. Is this a uh, a woman, uh, a friend of yours who w- was a supporter and a voter of his, or just someone who who just wants to approach everything in that very Christ-like manner? She's a very Christ-like manner kind of person. She's very naive, I think. She didn't vote for him, I know that much, but um, just she went there as a child of God. And with this kind of group, I don't know the group or anything like that, but I know that she was able to touch him and hug him, and I have close-ups of his face. Wow. Because um, I was able to, I have the video all, like, in my thing, and I was going to reach out. So, so did, uh, I, I don't know if we lost you there or not, Lacey, but uh, did, did she conclude, or are you just, from, from what she has been able to gather in a media sense, are you concluding that it all looks fake, or did she have suspicions about the, the environment she was in and the authenticity of it all? She has given no opinion. I'm just going on her recording that I saw. On okay, all right. Fair enough. Well, thank and, you. And um, judging by the security measures, it just seems like a show. Well, uh, that's uh, very interesting. And the access, the story of the access she got in general is very interesting. I thank you for the call, Lacey. Wonderful how the, the, the audience has come in to sweep me off my feet tonight. This was fantastic. Here's a call from Jim from Maine. Oh, and he hung up on himself. Damn you, Jim. 618, what's going on? Hey, 618. Frank, how you doing? Doing well. Who am I speaking with? This is Kevin from Southern Illinois. Kevin from Southern Okay, we got a couple from Illinois calling in tonight. What's going on, Kevin? My question that I can't seem to find an answer, and it has to do with the Supreme Court nomination, and we, we know that Judge Justice Breyer has announced that he's going to retire at the end of this uh, Supreme Court session, which will be in June. My question is, if they are voting to nominate, what position is this lady going to go into? Is there a vacancy right now, or what happens if Justice Breyer says, you know what, I'm not going to retire, and then you've got 11 on the Supreme Court now? No, it's not, not, it's not 11. It would be 10, but, but that wouldn't well, happen. There's 10 on there right now. There's 10 on there right now, right? 10. No, there's nine. There's only nine. I thought there was 10 on there. No, no, you couldn't have 10. You ha- you have to have an uneven number so that oh, I'm there's... Sorry. there's nine. I'm sorry. I'm, excuse me. I'm sorry. There's nine on there currently, and the uh, Republicans control it over the, the Democrats. And Theoretically, if, yeah. Yeah, if... if okay, well, he- here's what, I, here's what, it, what would happen. Um, and I don't know if it's ever happened before, but it doesn't seem like it would be very controversial. I mean, for her to be confirmed by a Senate vote does not put her on the Supreme Court. She then has to be sworn in. So uh, so she can just sit around and, and wait, just like presidents, president-elects, sit around and wait for about one to two months before they're sworn in on Inauguration Day. It uh, doesn't mean that there are two presidents for those couple of months. So it, it would be the same thing, my friends. There would be no, there would be no expanding the court. That would take an, an act of Congress. Okay, then to follow up on that, what would... What what what's the rush? Then? I don't I don't know if there's a rush. Um, I, I I don't. I mean, obviously they need some kind of a win, some kind of a win. So maybe maybe just do it now. And I think that perhaps Justice Breyer is is just very set on leaving. So thank you for the call, by the way. Um, 
I don't know. If you were part of that group, wouldn't you want to act with expediency to deliver some kind of perceived win, even though this is really just like a wash? You're replacing somebody that's already there. The the supposed um, ratio of um, conservative to liberal. Like I said, this is all theoretical, and I I, I actually I care about the the Supreme Court less and less these days. It's just becoming one big one big farce to me. But um, but you know there, there are other there are other things that are popping up here a lot more cultural things with cultural impacts that are popping up around this entire uh, process a nomination confirmation all of the 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 questions and the the um, the live on air performances that have gone on from the the day that uh, this this Judge Jackson was nominated to. What's going on right now with what seems to be a likely confirmation? It's huge. She cannot really stand on her laurels. She's got time, and she just checks all the boxes that they said was going to be a prerequisite for meeting, uh, for, for filling this position. And that is based on skin color and genitalia. That was the major prerequisite that was set. That's all. If you talk about her record, you're talking about someone who is is uh, is anti First Amendment and very 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 lenient on people who abuse children, sexually abuse children, very lenient, especially when you compare to what the federal minimums are, what prosecutors uh, have recommended as sentences for the convicted in her courts, and then what she eventually gave them. Horrible excuses as to why, but of course the Praetorian Guard media and 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 and, and limp dicks like uh, Lisa Murkowski and, and Mitt Romney, they come they come on in and they uh, like these oh man, I mean that's what you have. So there's huge cultural implications there, especially since we know we know it's not some QAnon conspiracy theory that uh, there are are people just gobbling up the innocence of children all around us and abusing them in seen and unseen ways. It'd be great to see that there's somebody out there willing to take a crack at destroying those who destroy the innocence of a child. But but we have mealy-mouthed assholes like this Judge Jackson and all the people trying to push her through and help her through. Mealy-mouthed assholes that are, are willing to make um, compromises in matters such as these. So that's why it was a little bit more uh, breathtaking. Not necessarily that the Supreme Court has changed in its already mutated manner and fa- in uh, ex- mutated existence, but uh, the kind of conversations that are going on and the rationalizations that are propping them up. 318, you're on the air. Oh, it's you. How's it going? Hey, who's this? This is Jay in Louisiana. Jay, what's Where going the men on? Men are men, and the sheep are scared. <laughs> That's what I'd like to hear. Go ahead, give us a little something. <laughs> uh, uh, well, I mean, I went fishing today. I caught fourteen fish. Fourteen, That's wow, good, right? So you're you're going to be you eating? Know, you know, you, what's that? Go ahead. You're going to be eating for the next what week? Oh no 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 no! Basically, I'll clean them. I got them all nice. I'll clean them tomorrow, and then I will um, throw them in the freezer for hard times, or whenever I want to fry some up. But you know what's interesting about fishing? Yes. In Louisiana, you wouldn't, you really wouldn't believe the the importance of color and action when you're trying to catch fish. Mm. 
it, you really have to pay attention to that. By the way, you will like to know, and all your viewers will probably like to know, that I am partaking in a secret nature artisan CBD cigarette right now. Really? Which one are you? Uh, which one are you uh, are indulging? Uh, it's a something diesel, and it's a sativa. I think that's that's where on the box. Yes, that's where I, ha- yep. I hang out in the sativa <laughs> crowd right there. I love that. Yeah, I'm an indica guy. Uh, I was in cannabis for 10 years, actually. I was on the board of directors of a public company in cannabis, actually. But um, I'm out of it now. And, uh, well, listen, look, I called, to tell, I called to ask you about a couple things. One, we had that fucktard, President Biden, go on Twitter and say that uh, the ruble has been reduced to rubble. And as you know, the ruble has come back, and they're tying their... Uh, trade to gold so i was wondering uh, what you think about that oh well we did that on we did a little bit of that on when the hell was that uh let me see here um i don't know i think it might have been last thursday or last wednesday or something like that went through the entire uh, the entire reasons why sanctions don't work and how how uh, it, really what it all comes back around to for me is that everything every action that the west is supposedly taking to socket to the well namely the united states is taking to socket to the russians is really coming back around to hasten our own demise and i don't i don't really know um I don't really know what to make of a lot of it. If um, if Putin is one of those controlled opposition types that people say that he really got one of the best one of the best deals out of all the puppets in the world because he got to get a little bit more independent from the crazy West. He got to objectively make his his country more independent, and all of his geopolitical enemies are killing themselves. Uh, it, it it doesn't mean that the worst is over. Um, we we see we see the the war drum still being beaten every day in the media and um, and who the hell knows where it all leads. But the time being, hell, I I might have to take an intermission soon. But uh, let's take some more calls. And in, in the meantime, seven zero five, you're on the air. What's on your mind? Hey Frank. Hello. Viv, calling from Canada. Okay, caller from um, Canada. Go ahead. Cool. I'm just disgusted with the amount of, like, shit behavior that we're seeing from people. I mean, like, the whole Will Smith thing, the whole Obama thing. People are just being treated like shit everywhere. It's, like, kind of rather annoying. You know, I I can understand what you're saying. I think just from a a, a general human decency standpoint, even if all these things that we we observe going on in the White House or the things that we observe going on at the Oscars or any of these other ridiculous um, uh, performance-based television programs, it really is all just rooted in people acting indecent, uh, either just, just desecrating themselves or being indecent to other people, making making provocative statements about people they don't like. It's never about grace. It's never about anything like this. So I understand. And there's been a lot. And been preached. We've been preached for so many years to be like not bully and not discriminate. And like, you know what I mean? Just be decent. And like, fuck, man, it's annoying. Every time you turn on the TV, something's going on. It's like annoying. I know. Hey, you know what? Thank you for that call, uh, Canada, because it's uh, it's it's. It's a little bit more of a basic observation that I think gets lost in how 
how uh, big the rising action seems to be bringing us us to. But of course, that is just the the basic ingredient of the kind of society that we are living in right now. That is a um, a, a general malaise in treating each other unfairly, treating each other poorly, silencing people they don't like, not even wanting to communicate. And in that silence, in that silence um, is is the chaos that uh, that ultimately any kind of tragedy can be fomented and excused and all that stuff because in that silence comes the, the will, or I, I would say develops the situation where people just look at each other as inhuman. And then it becomes even easier to treat each other with with such levels of indecency, but uh, but yeah, that that is mainstream popular culture, which is why I really don't think that our civilization has much has much time to really grapple, and definitely no time to recover. It's got to bottom out. You got to re you got to till the earth again, and uh, and one day you you hope that something worthy of existing and flourishing is able to germinate once more. Um, yeah, I think it was the Zells, so speaking of Jim Jim from Maine, that called in before we were talking about the, the Tree of Liberty. I don't know how many calls ago that was. That was probably like last year, the year before. How can you water a tree that is now dead, even down to the root? You've got to take it out, stump and all. You've got to just till the earth, and you've got to prepare it for a new uh, a new planting. That's where we are. All right, 914-595-6953. 914-595-6953. One more, then we'll go to a quick intermission, and hopefully our guests will be here for the second half of the show. So let me go. Uh, what else do we... Nobody? 914-595-6953? No one? I'll go to intermission right now. Okay. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for hanging out with me, and thank you for... Um, all the support, and I will get around to your super chats on the other end of this quick intermission. God willing. Welcome to intermission. We'll, we'll be right back. Frankly. Quite 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 frankly. We all support quite frankly. 
Not quite. Let's go, Brandon. I agree. <laughs> quite frankly, in Roma, Italia. Quite frankly, you're going on Frank's show tonight? I really like you. You're very smart. So everybody watch. Quite frankly. With Frank. Quite frankly. Okay, ladies and gentlemen. So we are back. We are back at 7.59. We're still waiting for our guest to show up. I'm sure he'll be here shortly. But we still have each other, which is the most important thing. And to be honest, it's been a very long time since I've been able to take calls. We've had great calls here tonight so far. I still have open on the Discord the remote viewer line. If you are a bona fide remote viewer and you have seen something, if you have gone somewhere in your astral journeys recently and bear witness to something you think we all should know, then please get into there. Call in with anything, anything that you think will blow the minds of people who are watching right now. Of course, it has to be a quick exchange because I might have to hang up with you at the turn of a turn of a dime, drop of a hat, and all those all those phrases. All right, first one up on the super chats is Stostube. Says here's a little extra bit of love and support for the show tonight and also an additional birthday wish for a fellow frankly out there would love to extend a wonderful happy birthday shout to two Papa Shango. To Papa Shango. Coming from Rev and Mville. MVL. Rev and MVL. Happy birthday, Papa Shango. Thanks, Frank. Wow. Papa Shango, wishing you the best on your birthday. You've got friends in the chat room, and you should be very, very happy with that. Happy, happy, happy. Okay, on the foxhole end of things, and then we'll take some more calls, get those calls coming in. On the Fox Hill, Foxhole end of things, we have Linda Love. Says, quite frankly, this is the best show on the internet, and Foxhole chat is quite foxy. Linda Love is everywhere. So watch out. She's on the Foxhole tonight, and she'll probably be there afterwards, too. I just got a, uh, I got a, uh, uh, because I, we all hang out on the the After Hours stream as well in the chat room I'll, I'll be there at some point tonight and I just got another text message from Abe who's on the network side of things and he says just a reminder everybody Kathy O'Brien Kathy O'Brien only content tonight for quite frankly TV after the show so we'll see where tonight goes I'm, I'm hoping that we, we are able to spend some quality time with Judge Joe Brown but uh, Kathy O'Brien Brian, I know, is very excited to be on with us tomorrow night. And if you want a good prerequisite of knowledge for the person and her experiences going into tomorrow evening with me and Kathy and Rob will be here as well, then uh, hang out with us on quitefrankly.tv after the show concludes in now less than an hour. As the clock has struck 8.02 on the East Coast, and that is the only time zone that matters in quite frankly land. 
All right, let's take a call from CalFu. What's going on, cowboy? Hey, Frank. Good to talk to you again. Good to talk to you. Welcome to the show. So I stepped out for a minute to grab my pizza, and so I, I just caught the tail end of that call where um, you ended up concluding that um, things are already going to crash and we just need to plant seeds, et cetera. And so I, I just thought I'd put something out, an idea that's, that we all do anyway, but I think uh, you could do a thread or some sort of, of um, whatever where we, um, between all of us, frankly, we kind of arrive at a handful or however many specific exact bullet points of what has happened to us, what went wrong, what is going wrong, what will go wrong. Kind of like the way the Continental Congress at, at some point, we assume, sat around in a room saying, you know, how do we make this work? How do we make it not turn out the way it has turned out in the past? And I think, for instance, one of the things that I think is obvious but needs to be declared and put in fine print is that the Internet globalized us before we ever became global. In other words, it's impossible and unrealistic for all of us to pretend that we're living the same life at the same time and, and that we're all you know, putting in our two cents to this giant collective. It's nonsense. So that's an example of something specific that we could put down in like an articles of whatever in this in a description of how we are going to plant the seeds, not for our benefit, but for Aurora's and for for future Americans. Uh, well, I think what you're what you're describing there was supposed to be the the basis of uh, John Ward's Third Continental Congress that he wanted to put together before his exile from uh, from public life. And I, I think a, a lot of people, and I one of, one of the one of the hopes that he had for this this coming together. And, and thank you, thank you for the call, Calfu. This coming together was to be, to be able to put together a new Declaration of Independence. Now, uh, from whom are you declaring your independence? I don't know because the the biggest problem that we're facing right now is that there's not even a a real uh, a king. There's no king. There's no, there's, there's, there's nothing. There's all of our biggest enemies. They don't belong to a nation. We're talking about men and women without countries. They may act as MPs in one place or another. They may become a president or they may become a prime minister, but they're serving faceless transnational corporations. They're affiliated NGOs and and this and that. I mean, you you what are you declaring your independence from? You're declaring your independence from these crazy assholes out there in the desert in Dubai that are right now talking about very publicly how they're excited to embark on literally remaking everything, every aspect of what life is about on planet Earth. I mean, that's. That's what they're talking about right now. I think it was a lot easier to, to declare independence from King George. A lot easier. So, um, yeah, I, I wouldn't even know how to answer that, uh, Calfu. To put together that list of grievances, I think that we, we analyze where a lot of our faults and a lot of our uh, a lot of this, the sources of our subversion and our takedown have come from over the, the last few centuries. 
we analyze that at great length, and we always bring up new little chapters in history that need to be remembered and plugged into contemporary understanding of where we are, because it is the history is very linear in that sense, and we have to understand where our spot on the timeline is and what came before us. But I don't know. I wish I can. I wish I can tell you. I wish I can tell you what good it would do to put together a list of even a hundred grievances. All right, let's go to let's go into the Discord where we actually have somebody who is hanging out in the remote viewer line, and that is Asher Bonner Paul's scribe. What is going on, Asher Bonner Paul? Please be there, because I I very rarely get anybody in the remote viewer line. Please be there. Three, two, one. And away they go. What a waste. What a waste. So, um, we'll take another call. We'll take another call from elsewhere. I got really excited for a second there, and I'm sure you did too. But, uh, but yeah, here we go. 914-595-6953. Now, on the other end of things, I guess I can bring this up right now, too. I was reading through these these um, these published... Let me see. Where the hell was it? This is straight from Russia. I'm trying to find the actual link for it, because I can tell you. It's about this Buka massacre that is at the uh, the tip of everybody's fingertips in the media these days hold on one second one one second trying to find where the hell it came from uh let's see come on where are you shit i had the link here oh wait hold on hold on hold on hold on here it is so here's what uh, what we have, and this is from RussiaUN.ru, permanent mission of the Russian Federation to the United Nations. This was put out uh, a couple a couple days ago. This was on April 4th. It was a press briefing by permanent representative Vasily uh, Nebenzia on the situation in the town of Buka, Kiev region, and related matters. Now, for what we know here in the West, and what the the resounding conclusion has been, is that there has been a massacre. Hold on. Got a message from our guest who's trying to join right now. But I don't see that. Hmm. I'm sorry about this, ladies and gentlemen. I know it's a little bit of a, um, there's a little bit of a broken momentum tonight, but uh, thank you for bearing with me, of course. Let's see, gave him the link. Let us see. Keep your fingers crossed. All right, let me do what I did last night with uh, our guest, Noor. I'm going to go and find a little something to 
Find a little something to... Let me go. All right, teddy bears. Frank playing on the drums again from years ago. Here, you can uh, enjoy this for a second. Let me try to figure this out. bit unceremonious there a little bit I had blah 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 but let us get down to brass tacks here and joining us live I'm so happy to have him back on with us it's been uh, I've been a long time and so much has happened in the world since the last time he was here but welcome to the show judge Joe Brown are you there I'm here oh you can hear me oh yes absolutely you sound great everything looks great and welcome uh, welcome to tonight's uh, tonight's go around so uh how's everything been in your life for the last uh, six months or so it'll manage <laughs> it's it's doing well that's what i like to hear well the world is not as uh is not as fortunate as you but uh but we're gonna get around to that and i want to start with one thing a big question oh, that's all relative by the way yeah that's relative when I was in my 20s and late teens, the NAM was going on. There was a Cold War going on. Uh, there were a lot of nasty things happening in the world. We don't really have those today. We have some perceptions that are not good, and we have some fascism that is being generated the way people are trying to censor and propagandize, which is not cool. Do you, do you think that there is a uh, an easy way out of this one, especially if it's a problem no. of perception? No. No, there's no easy way out of it because there is an agenda, and the agenda is a simple one. It is, quote, the destruction of the nuclear family. Mm. Well, I want to get around to that in uh, in short order here. The first one is going to lead us to that is this uh, a, a question I have that concerns your profession, and that is the nomination of uh, Judge Jackson to the Supreme Court. What are your thoughts about her likely confirmation? Because this, this does lead to a lot of thoughts about the family and the culture at large. 
I I hope they filibuster her out. I don't like her. I am personally acquainted with an. If you have to have a black female judge, I'm acquainted with a number of black lady judges and lawyers who would be more fit for the position than she is. She's she's uh, she's not what she's supposed to be. She's a I I I my group we nicknamed her Claretta Thomas. <laughs> Like they got Clarence Thomas in as a far right surrogate. He's getting useful now in supporting the first and second amendments. But they need to challenge her because like Thurgood Marshall said when he retired, they asked him if he knew who his nominee the nominee was gonna be for his replacement. He knew, but he said it wouldn't be ethical to comment on it. But he said, Let me just say this. A black snake will bite you just as quickly as a white one. And in this case, a female black snake will bite you just as quickly as anything else. Her posture on the Second Amendment is pathetic. I'm not confident on her sustaining the First Amendment. Her posture on the Fourth Amendment relative to search and seizure is not good. Nor is it uh, what I would call healthy when it comes to the Fifth Amendment either. And her posture relative to pedophilia and some other things in high industry I don't like either. Yes, We need somebody that is spent high school, college, law school, legal career, and time on the bench doing stuff for people ordinary people and she has not been one of those kinds of jurists nor attorneys nor just ordinary young citizens well i i agree with you on on that and you've gone uh, to to much greater depth than than most people have of course the 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 bigger thing around the the internet has been of course the whole uh, the pedophilia aspect of it, and it made us a lot a lot of us think. You know, obviously Biden's pick would be prioritized for race race and genitalia. That's what he said. So with the bar being set so low already, it made us wonder why he would settle on a woman who shows this kind of disregard for all those very basic things that you were bringing up. But but uh, but judge uh, but judge, it gets even weirder than that. And I know that you have seen this. I know that you have seen this. Um, in, in one way or another, but I don't know if the if the uh, the audience has. This is a New York Post article that was published not too long ago, and it's using Judge Jackson as the subject matter, and it says this: Why more black women should consider marrying white men? And in the article, the author says that there are very few suitable black bachelors out there, and unless educated black women become more willing to marry outside of their race they will continue to either end up alone or divorced. Now, I personally do not care what color a man or a woman are when they fall in love, but can you speak to what is behind this over-the-top level of social engineering? Yes. He's a law professor at Stanford. The gist of what he said that is really deplorable, this is a quote from his work says, as I explained in my book, why black women should not be pressured to sacrifice their own chances for happiness out of some misplaced loyalty to black men, 
nor should black women feel beholden to black men under the guise of advancing the race. If the price of racial solidarity is a bad intimate relationship, then the cost is too high. Black women should not be held hostage to the struggles of black men. Now, in my experience, I would do a slight modification to show the discrepancy in that position by simply substituting son. See, black women, when they marry white, black, brown, red, yellow, their sons are black under the one-drop rule in America. So, as explained in the book, why black women should not be pressured to sacrifice their own chances of happiness out of some misplaced loyalty to their black sons... Nor should black women feel beholden to black men under the guise of advancing the interest, the future interest of their black sons. And if the price of racial solidarity is a bad intimate relationship, then the cost is too high. Black women should not be held hostage to the struggles that their sons will undergo. Now, that's the way you translate it. And the other problem is, as you can see on television, often these PSR, PSAs, public service announcements about black women in business, black women in college, black women doing this, and it's sexist. And it's got to do with what I saw 55 years ago on college campuses around the country to further this insane position that men are evil so they should be suppressed. And back then they were going, please, cloning, come quickly so we can get rid of men so we won't need them. Hmm. And that has led to this thing where the emasculation of the country has led to the massive and insane violence that we see, the lack of principle, the lack of preparation, a whole lot of things that we have that are not good. Uh, we have had take your daughter to work week for 50 some years, but we have never had a take your son to work week. And the last I checked, the girls aren't doing too many drive-bys. It's the boys. So you need to do something about it. We had a thing here in the Memphis area where the black girls were doing so much better in high school than anybody else. And one of the postulates was is 84% of the teachers are female. 54% of those teachers are black female no 64 percent of black females and what with the positive imagery of women the and black women being presented to them the black girls are doing better in school it goes black girls white girls drops down to upper level economic level white guys and then it drops down to black guys then the next here is poor white guys and then at the very bottom are Hispanic guys, kids they're at the very bottom in terms of high school graduation or scoring on the various and stand, uh, sundry standard test uh, Hispanic girls are somewhere in the middle here so it is not a good thing to be a boy these days 
you are talked down on, you are diminished. They have things that they created sayings 10, 15 years ago, like toxic masculinity that they tried to talk about 50 years ago when the saying was all masculinity is toxic. But basically, that's why we have the mess we have for the emasculation of the country, because masculinity is that thing that you input into a young guy and you acculturate and you socialize him to this. So his business is about making where he lives a better, safer, more secure place filled with economic prosperity, a sense of purpose, ethics, morality, public peace, dignity, and order. He ideates upon being a man of peace who can be brave and courageous when he needs to be. And we don't have that now. We have boys that are taught to be emotional. They become emotional wrecks. They are out of control. They have no purpose, no cause. They become suicidal. They are suicide by cop, suicide by drug, uh, gun-related suicide, and suicide by your neighbor. In other words, provoke your neighbor into doing you the personal favor of taking your life. And that is a bad thing that we have. So it, it's not good. I suppose that this is that would be the basis for why you said, even though our biggest problems today are problems of perception, uh, it's very hard to turn it around when you're talking about having to undo the damage that's been done to multiple generations and start over from new uh, somewhere to build a new foundation. That's that's a huge undertaking. Yes, it is. See, one of the problems is that how we got to where we were 50 years ago started when you had little gatherings with 10, 15, 25, and 75 people when everybody knew everybody and you had to go off and hunt for the protein and that meant that the men had to watch each other sick so nobody got stomped on by a two-ton animal or a three-ton animal and these things about protecting uh, the villagers from adversity, such as lions and tigers, saber-toothed cats, large bear and dire wolves and things like that, they got put into the culture. And now if you wipe them out, there isn't much out there that would reintroduce it, but we need it. Mm. And that's why we have so much violence, because the boys are emotional. They don't have a purpose. They don't have a cause. They have not been taught that there's a manly way to do things. And I remember back in the 60s, late 60s, it was going, war is a man thing, so the way to stop war is to raise the boys like girls so they will emote, they'll cry, they'll shout, they'll let it all hang out instead of being so uptight and under self-control, and that leads to war. So that's nonsense, and it didn't work, and it's a disaster. Yeah. Well, I I was just yesterday on la yesterday's show. I was reading an article from Yahoo that uh, said disastrously enough that between the age range of twelve to nineteen years old, twenty eight percent of American children they didn't even make a distinction about boys. Twenty eight percent are pre diabetic, and uh, and and so 
you want to talk about where we would even what stock we would even draw from if there were a war. But speaking of war, I'd like to take this moment to, to shift to something else because I know that our time is limited. Um, in regard to now Ukraine, now you yesterday I saw that you had tweeted this, and I was I was intent on on asking you about it uh, one way or another. You said this about Ukraine. Least we forget, lest we forget history. How many realized the current administration supports Nazism in Ukraine? Prior to World War II and after, the U.S. supported fascist Franco. The, the same Franco that Hitler supported in the USSR, Russia opposed. History repeats, replete with American volunteers. Now, I agree. I think that Ukraine, as it exists today, is a clandestine military operation set up by the West at the, at the, the back door of an adversary. So uh, with that being said, how do you, um, for you to see the predicate for what it is, how do you judge Russia's response, the one-sided reporting, everything about this conflict that we're in right now? Okay, here's what Russia is saying. And I have this because I have some former Russian in-laws. My ex-daughter-in-law is born in Russia, Russian. She was a translator for the U.S. Navy. She's still in. She and my youngest son got divorced, but I've got a beautiful half-Russian granddaughter. Now, this is what you get. Russia is saying that it is preventing Europe from being victimized by renazification. And at least one of the units that they have over there, the Azovs, they have, you know, now these Velcro patches. They're literally wearing swastikas on their uniforms, which they try to take off when a cameraman is around. The other thing is Russia is posturing that it is saving the world from the destruction of the traditional nuclear family that has been advocated since the United States now has an official religion. And they call that religion LGBTQ. It's a cult, they call it. Mm. Now, I'm not going to down gay folk. You have a right to do what you want to do in your bedrooms. But being part of a cult is like, if you're Islamic, do you support Al-Qaeda? Or if you were Christian, did you support uh, Jim Jones and drinking the Kool-Aid? And see, the thing about it is, is that religions are interesting in terms of what we define as a religion under law. You can be Judaic and you go to synagogue, or Christian, you go to church, Islamic, you go to mosque, you can be Hindu and you go to temple, Buddhist, you go to temple, Zen, you go to temple, uh, you can be Confucian, you go to temple, things like that but the interesting thing is the last several have no deities they're philosophies and that's what they're turning lgbtq into and what they're doing that's really sneaky is they're getting the trannies dressed up like women to go talk to the children in libraries and in nursery schools from two three four up to five years old and human psychology is clear that human children are much more receptive to the human female than they are to the human male until they get into their eighth year. So you have them dressed up like women, but they don't dress up like normal women. They dress like harlots, the madam for the brothel. 
And that puts in the child's mind a subtle negative about womanhood. And then the child doesn't get taken in diapers once a week on the holy day, the church, synagogue, or mosque, or temple. They go in two, three days a week because mother wants to give them a jump start on their education. And then when they get in kindergarten, first grade, second, third grade, fourth grade, you have the overwhelming majority of the teachers being female. And a lot of them push this or advocate for these things that the trannies are pushing two, three, four years old. And you bring the trannies in, too, to talk to them in the school library or read to them. So the child is not going to the holy place one day a week. He's going five days a week for hours during the day. So by the time the child is inculcated with this, he's 11, 12 years old, and he is a believer. Now, to evidence that, we have this aspect. Uh, every statistic is pretty much in agreement. We have less than 1% of the U.S. population being transvestites, trannies or trans or whatever you want to call them. And in fact, the maximum is about 0.7 or 7 tenths of a percent. For lesbianism, it's 1%. For male homosexuals, it's about 1.5% maximum. And for bisexuals, about 4 to 4.5%. So you have 7% of the American population maximum swings that way. But you have entities that are controlling the mass media like Walt Disney, where they have committed to showing at least 50% of their characters as being LGBTQ cultists. And that is not a good thing because that's one of the propaganda techniques that has been long established. If you control the means of communication, you get your target to believe that he's not in the majority, but in the minority. And now they're trying to get everybody to think half the people in the country think that way. They don't. Now, it's their right as gays to do whatever they want to do, but there are problems. And a lot of gays that I've talked to think LGBTQ is a cult, which is a thing we need to consider. The other thing is that there is a big problem when you start trying to get into this transsexual thing so people confuse what gender is all about. Now, a classic way of illustrating it is uh, if you are a male and you say you're a girl, even if you still have penis and testicles, you can be treated as a girl if you make the claim. So let's supposing that, and I don't like to use this example because I'm sure he doesn't even come close to swinging that way, but let's supposing that in the NBA, National Basketball Association, somebody like superstar LeBron decided that he wanted to be a girl and play in the WNBA. That would not be fair to those ladies in the WNBA. And I have a personal thing with that. I was going into a Lowe's, you know, the discount hardware store thing. Yeah. yeah. And somebody said, Uncle Joe. 
and I turned around, and there was very this very beautiful young lady. She was about looked like nineteen to me at the time, eighteen maybe. And I didn't recognize her at first, and then I said, "Oh, I know you. Your grandfather and grandmother are good friends of mine." She said, "Yeah." I said, "You're the one that uh, started taking martial arts to seven eight. Uh, your grandfather was bragging about you got a full scholarship to a major university, but you're doing women's wrestling. Is that right?" I said, "But what happened to your arm?" She had her arm in a full cast all the way up to the shoulder with a strut on it going down her waist. And this was right before, right when COVID first struck. And she said, Uncle Jody had us at a tournament. And they told me and another girl, we were going to have to wrestle these two boys. And we said no, but they told us we'd lose our scholarship. And the team would forfeit if they didn't. She got her jaw fractured and got put in a coma for four days. And I got a compound fracture of my arm. And I've had three operations, and she started crying. She said, it just hurts so bad I can't take it. But when I take the medication, I can't focus on studying. What am I going to do? And that just offended me badly because I got raised with the mantra in my head. Boys don't hit girls because we are stronger than they are. And I'm looking at this poor young lady, 19, just broken down in tears, beautiful with this arm up in this braced cast because some punk sat there and wanted to wrestle against her instead of wrestling with the boys. So somebody said, well, Judge, maybe we ought to have a trans league. I said, hell no. If they can't cut the varsity for either girl or boy then they sit in the bleachers and cheer like everybody else mm. and that means they don't go down there with a short skirt on and start kicking high kick and if they're going to be a cheerleader they have on slacks and a sweater and they throw the girls up in the air and by the way if you don't stop it you're going to have a trans a league uh, that used to be the girls league when they take it over Another thing that I did not like is this Emmett Till anti-lynch bill. Now, there's a black institution, one of the historical black college and universities, Tuskegee Institute, famous for the Tuskegee Airmen. My mother librarian there for a period of time, so I've got a personal connection. Well, they've been they had been doing a lynch studying study for a century. And by definition of law, as lynching is defined, the last lynching occurred in America in nineteen sixty four and has not been one in fifty eight years. And interestingly enough, there were three people lynched that year. One of them was black and two of them were white. And a lot of people when they think of lynching always think of somebody black but how many times do we see the old 1930 movies, black and white, where the sheriff keeps the mob from lynching somebody in the town jail? See, a lynching requires a mob. A lynching is, lynching is an activity where they subvert justice and they go after somebody for some reason. But the way this thing is defined a lynching doesn't even require killing it can be a killing a beating or a kidnapping 
it does not require more than one person. And the other thing is, is the three protected categories are race, religion, and sexual orientation. Those are the only three things that are mentioned. It doesn't mention nationality. It doesn't mention sex. It doesn't mention age. It doesn't mention medical condition, which are protected under Title VII in American law. It is the first time that a gender orientation got interjected into federal law. So one of the bad things about it is let's take women. They've been struggling for a long time to get equality in sports, opportunity, and business, and employment. So let's say that somebody says this is a job that men and women can do equally. So you would expect the workforce to be half and half, half men, half women. Well, let's suppose and we look and we've got 50% males who identify as men. And then we have 50% of the employment force as women, but we find that 26, 27% of those are actually males who just claim to be women. So now what's happening? There are 77 to 78-84% of the workforce is male and less than 20% is female. They're right back where they started from, which is on the bottom and that's unfair and unjust. Well, let me so There are a lot of things going wrong with this picture. Let me interject no, just for a, just for a second there, because obviously this all started with the. I have to imagine that um, given the the question about Russia and what their what their um, motivations and and uh, motives and 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 response has all been about. Obviously, there is the Western intelligence influence at their back door that uh, should be concerning to any country. Many people have very rightfully made the the distinction that if China were where Panama is and they were influencing Mexico the way that we are working through Ukraine like this proxy that uh, that we're doing that that Mexico would just be flattened glass by by now and nobody would would think twice about the reasoning and the motivation for the United States uh, going and acting in their their best national security interests but uh, aside from that from where you just brought us i'd have to imagine that you uh, it is uh, it is very well stated that there is a a cultural threat that they see coming from the west as well the nato the uh, the everything that has taken root over here in the united states and has depleted and replaced what was once a robust culture and um, and and now has this where it is a culture of confusion where both genders of course both sexes are under attack you have um, men who are being emasculated women who are seeing everything they fought for so gallantly over the years being in in uh, encroached on now so um, I, I, I definitely um, I, I definitely see this as a, a multi-layered reasoning for for why this this conflict is where it is and why so many people are trying to grow it um, I have another question, though, since we're run. I want to let you free on this one now so that we can go and and uh, and just take this to the very end. But it's a bigger question now going back even farther. Thirty thousand foot view. Now, I think that I have um, I think I've consumed everything that you have ever said about Barack Obama, 
the origin story, the Bushes, the CIA. I know that you at least contemplate the unseen forces that influence the globe and how, how it works. But right now, we've got this very public brotherhood of corporations and politicians and NGOs hanging out at posh summits in places like Dubai, at the World Government Summit and stuff like that. They're telling us every day, very publicly, that they're reorganizing every aspect of life on Earth. They're using a series of carefully engineered public crises as the motive. They even call it the New World Order. Yet the media exists seemingly just to tell us not to trust our lying eyes and our ears. What can you tell us about the reality of the so-called New World Order? Well, let me say this. Let's go back 22 years. It's 2000. My agent and I met up with some people that wanted to meet me. I had been talking about Memphis opening itself up to barge traffic from Europe. They load these barges up in Europe, float them down the canals and rivers to the Mediterranean, load up these barge transports, bring them over to the port of New Orleans, drop the rear hatchet, and they get them towed to bring them up the Mississippi. Actually, they push. And they get to President's Island in Memphis, which is the world's largest barge unloading facility, and that's where they get run through customs for the first time. So I had been talking about this. So uh, this group was there. They were Arabs. They were Germans. They were Russians. You name it, they were there, big-time operators. The conversation was very interesting. They were talking about, this guy, I hate him, I want to kill him, but he made me $17 million last year. And, you know, yeah, I know him. I hate his guts, too. I want him dead, but, you know, let's wait till he stops making us money. The conversation was going like that. And they were talking about the interest that they had. Now, one of the ones that was most peculiar to me was some of them were into big oil. And they were talking about somebody that gave them a clue on how to bring in oil through Mexico so they didn't have to pay uh, the importation uh, fees on it. And they found an interesting thing. They were giving him a premium per barrel. So after 55 million barrels, he said he didn't want any more. He couldn't do anything with it. And they were talking about Bush. And they indicated that they were anxious for Bush to grow up and do what his father did, George Herbert Walker Bush, who started Zapata Offshore Oil and Zapata Oil. And his uncle was Uncle Herbert Walker Bush, who founded Halliburton in 1946 in Oklahoma. Actually, he rechartered it. It had been founded in 1919 by Mr. Halliburton. Well, they were talking about somebody whose wife was a bank vice president in Hawaii and their connections with him and the grandfather and George Herbert Walker Bush were first cousins. He was also a nephew of Uncle Herbie. And he had a black grandson that they were 
speculating about who had entered politics and would probably wind up being the first black president. That individual was Barack Obama, and his maternal grandfather, his first cousins with George Herbert Walker Bush and second cousins to George Walker Bush, also cousin to Dick Cheney, vice president, and Warren Buffett, the billionaire. Interesting family situation. Hmm. Now, they were talking about they were going to use them to unify all of this stuff. They didn't call it one world order or one world, but they were saying they were looking forward to working with Bush. Remember, this is 2000, and Bush had just declared that he was going to run for president. George Herbert, George Walker Bush, Bush number two. And later, he got elected later that year. So that was an interesting thing to hear them discuss in this closed meeting, their perspective on how they were going to bring all this together. So, yeah, there might be something to that. Hmm. It's uh, it's becoming so much more public and now naked and uh, and you know as 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 we're even talking with small right now it's just a regional conflict with between Russia and Ukraine but there is a there's a hunger in the media and elsewhere to to make it much bigger and uh, well it's going to be bigger than that because there's a reconciliation between the People's Republic of China and Russia. And right now we have to deal with two white papers that were written last year, one by the Air Force, one by the Navy. And essentially what they say is whoever is president needs to come up with a good speech to save face because if the People's Republic of China invades Taiwan, there's not a damn thing we can do about it. Our Navy is undertrained, overstressed, overworked. Our ships are getting worn out. Our RLI Burke destroyers were first commissioned in 1982. That's 40 years ago. Uh, We abandoned one super destroyer we had after making three copies, and it's not good. We don't have anything else on the plate. Our F-22s, we don't have one wing of them. The F-15s are breaking down for metal fatigue. The f 15 E's are getting tired. The F-16s first got into service in 1978. The B-52s, there's some being flown by the great-grandsons of their original pilots. Wow. The actual airplanes, the B-1 was a 1969 design that got put into production in 1980. The B-2 1982, the M1 Abrams, the newest one, was made 30 years ago. The same with the M2, M3 Bradleys, and the AH-64 Apaches are all 25 to 30 years old. They've been rebuilt, but metal fatigue sets in. The A-10 Warthogs went into service in 1976. So they haven't been built in 35 years. So what are we supposed to do if we're going around rattling savers and going for broke bad, you know, like, yeah, don't mess with us. What are you going to do? Uh, 
We were supposed to build a Seawolf submarine, but we said we couldn't afford that after three, so we went to the Virginia class, and that one is a second-rate econo sub that's now costing more than the one it was supposed to be a viable, cheaper alternative to. So, I mean, it's kind of crazy. And now we're spending, with due respect, the equivalent of three, two to three mine-resistant vehicles that could save the lives of anywhere from 12 to 22 young Americans, male and female, in combat zones. We're sacrificing those to deal with multiple operations for sex changes for the people that Biden has been recruiting into the military. Mm. Now, that is horrendous. So... They serve, but they spend more time getting operated on and recuperating than they actually give service over the time they're in grade. So that's not good for the defense. Uh, with respect, women can get in these combat units, but I do not think it's a wise thing to reduce the standards like they're doing so women can get in these units and uh, there is a debate on whether or not it's just in general or these special units, but it is a mess. See, and one thing, let me say one thing. It's it. changing the subject. You, you got it. But I got elected to two eight-year terms as a criminal court judge in Tennessee, and the statewide recidivism rate was 80%. That means... If someone's convicted of a felony, there's an 80% chance he'll be back with another felony. Well, I reduced that from 80% to 18%. And what I did was I taught the guys about doing the man up thing. In other words, look in the mirror every morning. And look at yourself, and did you do what a man's supposed to do? And what is a man supposed to do? I taught them that, and I counseled with them individually and collectively, which no other judge has done in this area. And I don't know if they do it around the country. And the point was is to get them dedicated to the proposition that they have a piece of this action that rests in their back pockets that they need to deal with. And even if you don't have any daylight at the end of your tunnel, what you're facing is adversity, lions, tigers, grizzly bears, wolves, polar bear, all kinds of nasty stuff that would like to eat you and yours. So you have a chance to be a hero by getting the people you're responsible to to the end of that tunnel and slaying the fire-breathing Gila monsters. Hmm. So, you know, it worked. But we have not done that. And while we are advertising, I, I saw... Uh, service commercial where they had two male service members walking along holding each other's hands and one female service member with her head on the shoulder of another one or vice versa and while they're doing that January 21st 2021 the People's Republic of China embarked on an official man up campaign because they said their youth are getting too soft watching American nonsense or Western nonsense. And Russia has already had a man-up program. So what are we doing? Well, what you're, what you're describing between our status in the world, the state of the military physically, and the culture, 
that is nurturing, that, that's being nurtured inside of it. It, it sounds a lot like a demolition operation. It, it really just, because if we did get into a, a bona fide global kinetic conflict, this sounds like uh, to put ourselves in that situation would would be seeking out the final swift, um, uh, I don't know, the, the a final a final jump toward our destruction because how the hell can it even held up world war three yeah yeah and in world the, war three the u.s couldn't fight a conventional war see first off for the last 70 years they've been dealing with everything in terms of any conflict in europe is guarding to fool the gap so the russian tank hordes don't pour through there but this time They'd have to go back the other way like Napoleon did but got trapped in Russia like Adolf Hitler did and got trapped in Russia. And the first thing they come to is Ukraine. And they run into an area where in World War II they contributed a lot of troops to the Nazi cause. They were horrible about genocide. what they did to the Jewish population. They were straight off into that Holocaust thing, Ukraine. They are running sex slave operations there in the Ukraine, or have been, and everybody's been blinking on it, and our president can't even go there, even with diplomatic immunity, because he's subject to a multi-count indictment which is interesting and Mm -hmm. we have a treaty which is part of the supreme law of the land under the constitution of the united states ratified treaties and we're supposed to assist in the apprehension detection and extradition of criminal elements so our president is indicted for extortion bribery subornation of perjury subornation of treason theft and a number of other things and he has got diplomatic immunity but he's supposed to be sent back as soon as he gets out of office and the other thing is i'm anxious to see what they're going to do with hunter biden's laptop now that they are saying it's authentic one of the things that you can see if you go well you used to be able to if you went through european sources is there is white house tape that he managed to have on his laptop and in there barack obama is sitting on well he's in front of his desk leaning back on it joe biden is sitting in a chair facing him so is hunter and there's this chinese representative of a large corporate entity and they're discussing a treasonous deal which is for obama's administration to back off the vigorous naval patrols Uh, confronting the Chinese Navy in the South China Sea. And there's $100 million that they put up through a shadow corporation, and Biden, Hunter, Biden, Joe, and Barack Obama are supposed to get 10%. So Obama is saying, let me get this straight. I get 10%, Joe gets 10%, Hunter gets 10%. The guy's saying that's right. And then if you correlate that with the time on it, uh, you find that right after that in the military publications, military times, some of the admirals are getting very upset about being told to stand down when it came to vigorous counter-patrolling with the Chinese Navy. And that's just exactly what the deal was. That's treason. 
And the interesting thing about it is, as I said, when they went to do it, I said, be careful what you ask for. You just might get it, but not what you thought you were going to get. And in that respect, um, they impeached President Trump the second time after he was no longer in office. They didn't state a cause which under the Constitution, Article 2, Section 4, consists of one of three things, bribery, treason, and high crimes or misdemeanors in office. So you've got Biden as vice president. Here he is indicted by the Ukraine for various and sundry felonies, which would be in office. And the first aspect, bribery, you've got that. And then you've got the thing with the Hunter Biden laptop certainly suggests treason. So if they convict him of an impeachment proceedings, it's going to be interesting because that evokes the 12th Amendment. He can no longer be an office holder again in life. Now, the interesting other thing is when it comes to impeachment proceedings, the standard is not beyond a reasonable doubt as it is with criminal. It's the civil standard of more likely than not by the preponderance of evidence. And to a great extent, that has been interpreted by the American courts when you come to preponderance of evidence is pretty close to probable cause. Ukraine uses something similar in terms of probable cause, and they've got a hundred or so counts in an indictment against our president and his son. And that would certainly be close to American probable cause and mm -hmm. by the preponderance of evidence. And his ratings are so low, the lowest of any president since they have been keeping these polls. And Camilla Harris Imhoff, her ratings are the lowest imaginable. Even Spiro Agnew, who wound up serving time in Maryland, I believe it was, and for the feds, that uh, was Tricky Dick Nixon's vice president. His ratings were higher than hers. So what is likely to happen is that we have a complete turnover in the House of Representatives. It will be dominated by the Republican Party. The Republican Party will get a clear majority in the Senate. Right now, they have 50 Republican senators, 48 Democrats, two independents, and Kamala Harris-Imhoff to break any ties. But they will get a majority, and that will occur by November. It's never failed to be the case. So it's quite possible that they will wind up impeaching Biden, and he can probably wind up convicted by the Senate because they won't have bogus charges like obstructing Congress and abusing his authority. Abusing authority is not a criminal offense. It's not bribery and it's not treason. Next thing, when you say obstructing Congress, that's just a non-starter because the Constitution Article 1 says the Congress of the United States shall consist of two chambers, the House of Representatives and the Senate. So when they 
bring articles saying he obstructed Congress, all they had to do is take a quick poll. Hey, guys, in the Senate, did you get obstructed? No. Well, since the Senate is one half of Congress, that's out of there right there. And abusing his authority, there's no such crime. So it's not a high crime or a misdemeanor. It's not treason. And it's certainly not bribery. So they just wasted everybody's time on some nonsense. But this time, while we whoopee, you got a pretty good case on the incumbent. I, I find that ironic. I would love to see it because I've never had any love for Joe Biden. I've always thought he was trash and a bribe-taking scoundrel from day one. I think that this is going to be real. Well, if anything, like you said, I know that uh, you really um, you always keep keep focused on when as far as solutions go, personal responsibility, um, focusing on newer generations of Americans, but. As far as bigger fish to be fried, I think a lot of people would feel uh, great elation to see something like that actually happen. But uh, we'll have to see. November is not too far away because time flies like it's nothing. And uh, and just like the the, the call that we had tonight has flown by like it's nothing. Um, Judge Joe Brown, thank you so much for the time that you spent with us tonight. We'd love to have you back for a third go-around sometime later on in the year if you'd like to come back. This is uh, It's always a treat. May I make two announcements very briefly? Please, please. Judge Joe Brown, Judge Joe Brown, barbecue, JJBBBQ.com. Go there, JJB, Judge Joe Brown, barbecue, BBQ.com. Go there and you can order some of this product I have. Uh, it'll be on the store shelves, but you can get it one bottle, three, or a whole pallet of the stuff. And it's great. You'll never have had better. You can put it on damn near anything. And the other one is they've recruited me to run for mayor of Memphis, Tennessee in 2023. So that'll be JJB in 2023 for mayor of Memphis, Tennessee. Send Brown downtown. That sounds amazing. I, first of all, I, I wish I was in Tennessee so I can uh, I can vote for you. Number one, but with the with the barbecue, is it the act? It's Judge Joe Brown BBQ or JJB? Yeah, it's J- Judge Joe Brown Barbecue. Okay. But the, the website is jjbbbq.com. It's on the screen right now, jjbbbq.com. I'm going to go get myself some, uh, too. It's barbecue season's coming up. And by the way, there's another little thing you can do it for. You you like Bloody Mary? Of course. Well, instead of using tomato juice and Tabasco, use the barbecue sauce, add ice, and vodka, and put yourself a stalk of celery. So this is is a spicy. go for it. It's a spicy barbecue sauce, then. Well, we have regular OG and hot and we have powder we will have chicken links uncooked chicken links smoked we will have uh beyond uh meat the stuff you know near meats whatever they call it as links and there will be cookers and other things and it will be hitting the shelves and beginning of the summer but you can order it now wonderful well listen this right oh i'm sure people will and i'm going to be one of them judge joe brown thank you again for coming on and spending some time with us tonight my pleasure have a great evening have a great evening ladies and gentlemen judge joe brown fantastic and there you go it's 9 05 p.m
What do you want me to say? I hope you enjoyed yourself. I had a little bit of New World Order talk in there. Um, obviously, there's always always things in mind for follow-ups, but we don't have we didn't have a whole lot of time, and it started late, so we did what we could. And I hope you enjoyed. And um, and if there is a third go around, which I really hope so, maybe we get a little bit more of your input, and we we do this together next time. I want to thank everybody on the foxhole. I have to get off because I want everybody to get over there right now onto quitefrankly.tv and watch an entire evening of Kathy O'Brien. So we have the foundation for tomorrow. Uh, let me see here. Let me go to the super the, the foxhole first. Janice, thank you. Kaboomer, thank you. Jay Jules says, Frank, are you the one who recommended Father Elijah? Excellent book. Yes, I recommended it on the back of the recommendation from Timothy Gordon. I finished that about two weeks ago, and I loved it. Now, obviously, there's a third. There's a there's a sequel to it. Uh, then I have to go and get, it's a shorter, a much shorter one. It's only like 250 pages. I'll have to read that sometime after, sometime after we finish Windswept House. But I'm glad that you like it. I, I really had a lot of fun reading it. It is creepy and awesome. Dr. Hoffman, thank you so much, Dr. Hoffman, says George and Gracie for Lava Lamps. Dr. Hoffman says that we should name the new Lava Lamps George and Gracie. You know, George Burns. Uh, Rain says, Frank, please ask what we can do constitutionally when justice, when justice corrupts the top. Well, um, I don't know what he would say to that. I guess I can ask him that next time. But uh, he seems to feel like, as I said before, uh, all of his solutions, he knows that there are no easy solutions to our problems. And that is going to come from seeding new, stronger generations. Now, even that, that takes a generation is what, 10, 15 years at a time? Some people would say around 20. But still, look at what we're facing. Look at the state of the world, state of the military, the culture inside the military, the culture inside of every big cultural institution that we have here, what it's pushing, who it's targeting, who it has been targeting for generations already. There is a lot stacked up against us. So, find focus. As always, find focus in your personal life, your family, your communities. Uh, you know, Put Judge Joe Brown types up for election for mayor in your town. Go after the, uh, the, the education boards and read, read, read. And if there is some kind of a uh, majority swing that we see at, in November coming up, then uh, you pray that there is some faction of people inside the Congress that are I guess they get a gust of divine wind in their lungs and they go and they do something bold and courageous, even though ultimately there's really nothing that they can do to restore um, the federal government to what it is because the federal government doesn't need restoration. It needs a 97% pruning of the bush. You can't restore something that uh, by and large should not exist. At least 95% of it in 2022 should not exist. It is a, it's supposed to be a small, inconsequential entity that regulates foreign trade and military national defense. And that military is not even supposed to be a standing army in times of peace. I mean, it's, this is, there's a lot there. But we can, we can pray for some really great wins along the way while we take care of business at home. Thank you, PQuest, for the cookie. And over to the, uh, 
over to the Tippet stream. Let's do this real quick. Stostube, this was an hour ago. Thank you so much, Stostube. Thank you, everybody. And thank you to Larkstar on Rumble saying freedom takes responsibility. Thank you, Frank and Judge Truthers. Uh, we also have from Relno says, bless you, Frank, for all you do. Well, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate everybody for sticking with me. And I cannot thank you enough for the, the near hour that you all gathered around me and held me up when we had to, to buy some time. And we had to buy quite a, a hunk of time. And thank you to the callers who picked up their phones, called in. And thank you, everybody at home who had a good time in the chat room and shared this with your friends and family. And I'll see you tomorrow, 7 o'clock. We have a great guest, and we have Rob hanging out with us in studio as well. So with that being said, uh, good night, ladies and gentlemen, and thank you for the time. I'll catch you on the flip side. Frankly, is filmed before a live studio audience, and now our super chatters, starting with Stostube, J. Harry, fifty nineteen. Thank you to Larkstar, and it was Larkstar, and <laughs> sorry, and Relno on Rumble, and to all of our wonderful friends on Foxhole, which I will see you in a very, very short amount of time for the After Hours programming. After Hours programming that's starting on QuiteFrankly.tv momentarily. It is a very, very important thing to watch in preparation for tomorrow. Good night. Okay, Chief, take him away. I'm going to go home and sleep with my wife.